Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. You may also know me as the Kessel Run. Uh, you can find a lot of my content on Pensburg. Uh, I am responsible for Pens Points and Games Recaps. Uh, my host for this episode of the Pensburg Podcast is our overlord. He has been really, Jimmy, you've been with the site since, I want to say, 2009? Yeah, that's correct, when Michelle Terrian was still head coach. Way to date yourself. Way to date the website too. Yeah, pretty old. <laughs> so, I, I am the Kessel Run. Uh, this is Hooks Orpic, and we are here to give you your weekly dose of Pittsburgh Penguins and NHL news. Uh, we are so excited to finally get this podcast up and off the ground and share it with everyone. We hope that you guys take as much enjoyment listening to it as we put putting the work into it. Uh, we think you're really going to enjoy our guest. Our first guest for the podcast is uh, most notably known for his work on the Penguins Radio Network. He is the one and only Brian Metzer. Uh, we have a great interview coming up with him very shortly. You're going to want to listen to the entire thing. It is a great interview. Brian gave really awesome in-depth answers. And specifically, the last question you asked, Jimmy, was great regarding Mike Lang. You, everyone is going to want to listen to what Brian has to say about the living legend that is Mike Lang. Yeah, it was cool. We were really lucky to get Brian on. I've known him over the years from the internet game and more. And you can see him a lot of times he's uh, doing the pregame for the Penguins on the radio and stuff. And he he and Josh Getzoff and Phil Bork and them, they do it right there in the arena. And it, I think it's on, it's on the 200 level, kind of near where the Coors Light bar area is. So if you're ever at a game and you get there early, you might very well see Brian and Definitely. He's very friendly and he likes when people go up to him. So, you know, when he's not talking, feel free to go, go ahead and tell him you heard him on Pensburg and I'm sure you'll like that. So just to give everyone, all of our listeners, a gist of what we're trying to do here with the Pensburg podcast, we will be putting out a show every single week from now, really until the end of the season, whenever the Penguins possibly get eliminated from the playoffs, or hopefully uh, by the time early to mid-June comes around, they'll be lifting another Stanley Cup. We will be bringing you coverage every single week, and we are hopeful to have a, a new guest with us every week who will lend their insight and expertise to the Penguins and the rest of the NHL for that matter. So we are excited to bring this to you. And uh, Jimmy, do you have anything else left to say? Yeah, it, it should be good. Like I was kind of mentioning, we had Brian Metzler on this week. I think for next week, we're in the process of trying to get a former Penguin player on. And there's a couple other former Penguin players that we have in our sites too. So that's hopefully what we'll be able to do with this podcast. It won't, it'll be, we'll have some expert analysis and some big names that people want to hear. Cause I know everyone in the Western hemisphere these days has their own podcast and even the Penguins beat us to the punch. They released their own official podcast. So Definitely check that out. They had Sidney Crosby on there first, and I don't know if we'll be quite at that level just out the gates, but in this blog and this website has taught me you never know what might be around the corner, so I'm excited for what it'll be. And just so everyone gets like an, an idea of what's going to happen, uh, hopefully, or our plan at least for right now will be to have new episodes of this podcast out every week on Monday. So if you're setting your schedule, that's kind of our, our game plan or our hope, and our format is going to be to have a guest on every time, and also there will be two hosts. I'm, I'll am i be on sometimes, perhaps often. We'll see how it goes. But Garrett here will be our main guy, kind of our constant. He's an aspiring broadcaster, I believe, himself, and does work at that. And he's doing all the production and behind-the-scenes work. So this podcast is really his baby. I'm here to help where I can. But 
will also have the, my role here today will kind of be rotating between myself, Mike Darnay, and Mike and Jesse and Pat have their Dying Alive show, which you should definitely check out as well. And if it's not Mike, we might have Caitlin, another writer of ours at Pennsburg, jump on. And I think even Robbie might get into the mix as well. So that will kind of rotate either myself or one of the other writers. But Garrett should be here, I'm pretty sure, for for the most of them. So if you're a listener, that's kind of what you can expect going forward. Hopefully it'll be entertaining. And we also have a Gmail address for this podcast. So Garrett, why don't you share that with everyone so they know how to get back in, in touch with us. And if anyone wants to give feedback, we definitely welcome it. And probably soon we'll start taking questions and we might, if you give us a good one, we might read it on the air and answer it for it or give it passed along for one of our guests to answer as well. So Garrett, give them that um, email address and then I guess we'll go from there to the interview. Absolutely. Uh, to send us feedback, listener questions, anything in between, you can send any type of information you want to pensburgpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is pensburgpodcast at gmail.com. Very simple. It is the name of the show at gmail.com. We are so excited to welcome your feedback, anyone who is anyone who is listening to this show and finds it entertaining enough to to give us feedback or listener questions, it is greatly appreciated. Jimmy brought up a, a couple of really great points. You know, this thing is in its infancy right now. We are so excited to get the, finally get this off the ground, launch it, and hopefully make it something that everyone in the Pennsburg community, the SB Nation community, the hockey community, the Pittsburgh Penguins community, everyone will find enjoyment listening to this. We hope that we can bring our expertise, our opinions, our insight, as well as a lot of the guests that will be on uh, appearing on this show too. We're excited to uh, give you guys access to a lot of the guests that will be coming on. Jimmy and I have put a lot of hours, a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears into creating this podcast to where it is right now. So uh, Jimmy, uh, if that's all you have, that's all I have. We can get right into the Brian Metzer interview if you're ready. Yeah, let's take it away. Here's Brian. Welcome, everybody. And joining us now is our first guest on the Pennsburg podcast, which automatically makes him the best guest on the Pennsburg podcast. You can hear him on the Penguins Radio Network. He's also at FromThePoint.com. And his Penguins preview is in the Pittsburgh Current Magazine. Please welcome Brian Metzer. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Hey, great. Uh, it's awesome to be here with you boys for the what the inaugural show for Pennsburg. It's been uh, a great blog over the years. I've been a longtime reader, and uh, obviously Jimmy and I, we go back a long time, and so it's a pleasure to be on the show with you tonight. Yeah, we really appreciate it, and um, we'll just jump right in and get to, I guess, a Penguin-centric question. From you observing and taking in some of the preseason games, what have you seen so far in camp? How do you feel about the overall mood of the team? How do you think things are shaping up going into the 2018-19 season? Oh, they seem pretty excited to just get back to business here. I mean, generally speaking, it didn't end the way that they wanted it to last year. Of course, they wanted to go for that three-peat and win three Stanley Cups in a row, which isn't easy to do by any means. And that's why uh, I, I just think it all caught up to them, and they got eliminated by the Washington Capitals. Boo, hiss. No one wants to talk about that right now. And they just seem hungry. They seem rested. They seem like they're just ready to get back at it. And the biggest thing for me that stands out, and I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit as we go through our conversation, is that they are very much back to being a very deep hockey club. There's a, a lot of depth in the forward ranks. you got a lot of depth on the blue line. 
Hopefully that's going to help their goaltending bounce back a little bit because they'll be a little a little bit more fresh, maybe play a better version of team defense, and that'll help Matt Murray. So uh, they seem very excited and ready to just get back at this, and I think they're going to come out of the gates pretty solid because they, they look like they're rounding into form offensively already, and that's with a game left on the, on the uh, preseason docket here. So by next Thursday when the puck drops, I think they're really going to be primed and ready for action. Brian, you brought up a great point at the end uh, you were making regarding depth in both the forward and the defensive position. Uh, I want to talk more specifically in terms of defense. Uh, wh- where do you think the emergence of Yuso Rikola puts the Penguins in terms of crafting the best top six? Uh, he, you know, he hasn't been sent down to Wilkes-Barre as of yet. Does he realistically have a chance to to suit up for the Penguins on a regular basis this season? Will he be or will he be? Uh, put in more of a line of a Chad Ruweedle type of role uh, in terms of the seventh defenseman being called in when there's a major injury? Well, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest questions we've all been kicking around during the preseason here. I mean, nobody, well, I, I guess that's, I can't say nobody because the Penguins signed him with the thought that he was a player that could eventually make their lineup. They thought that he had the right size. He played the game the right way. But Phil Bork made an awesome point on our broadcast last night during the preseason game just saying that uh, he plays the style of hockey that Mike Sullivan likes to play, and that's like a puck-moving style. He can jump into the play, uses his body effectively, doesn't make too many bad reads on the ice. In fact, he's made a ton of great decisions. So I, I fully believe he's a guy that's capable of making this team but the problem is, the name you mentioned, Chad Ruedel, is on a one-way contract. Yes, it only pays him $650,000, but with Ruedel being signed to that one-way deal and then the rest of your top six pretty much being fleshed out by Latang, Schultz, Dumlin, Mata, Johnson, and Alexiak, you just have a numbers problem. So is it a situation where you have to think about trying to move a body out? Do you risk trying to lose somebody on waivers? I mean, I, I would feel like if Chad Ruedel went on waivers, Yes, you'd, you'd have to pay his full salary in the American Hockey League, but will he even get there? That's the kind of guy that has proven to be such a great depth player for what he brings. He moves the puck well himself, seems to uh, make good offensive reads, could be a great depth defenseman for just about any team in this league, and he's really proven that over the last couple of seasons for the Penguins. So do you risk losing a guy like that who's been a part of your two Stanley Cup winners over the past, uh, the past two runs that they had in favor of keeping Ricola? The, the bottom line, and I know I didn't really answer your question, is that Ricola for sure looks like he's an NHL-caliber defenseman right now. He plays the game the right way, doesn't seem to be overwhelmed. He looks like he belongs. That's the biggest thing here. He's played every preseason game so far. I fully anticipate him to play on Friday night against the Columbus Blue Jackets to finish out this slate and really make it tough on them to make this decision. Uh, he might have to go down and play a little bit in the American Hockey League, but generally speaking, they, they seem to really like him in their, in their lineup right now, and he made a, a pretty effective pairing with Jamie Alexiak. So uh, I, I just think it's, it's worth keeping an eye on him, and I'm not going to be shocked if they find a way to get him in the lineup, but I don't know who you would take out in favor of him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop someone else from our broadcast now. I thought it was interesting that Paul Steigerwald said about a week ago that he thought Alexiak would be the guy that came out of the, li- came out of the lineup if Ricola got into the lineup, I don't know if I see that happening myself, but it's interesting to see somebody else's take on that scenario. But he, he, he looks like a very impressive player and one that's ready to make an impact at this level. And, and that's just a good thing. That's, that's something that they didn't have last year is depth after losing guys like Trevor Daly and then seeing Ian Cole move on. So having him in the cupboard right now just gives Mike Sullivan a lot more options.
Yeah, I would have to agree because you look at it, Chad Ruiz, like you mentioned, he's 28 years old, right-handed shot. That's always very valuable. I don't think you want to risk a guy like that on waivers unnecessarily because when he played, he's perfectly serviceable. He's doing everything they asked for him from the third pair. Like that's a that's a good guy to have on your depth chart, even if he's not. So I would definitely agree with you there. And two references, two name drops, not a big deal. Old two niner, Paul Steyerwald, <laughs> nicely done, but. I wonder, I know Paul's really plugged in and his opinion matters, but that that's kind of interesting to me because I saw Mike Sullivan made some comments about some of the stuff Oleksiak brings. Now, like the Penguins, even though they've added some size and they've added a bit of toughness in, in some ways to their lineup with guys like Derek Grant and Jack Johnson, Oleksiak is still like with Ryan Reeves gone, with some of the other guys like Carter Rowney, Coon Hackle gone now. Alexiak's like the one big guy left they have that can pretty much scrap against anyone. So I could, I find it kind of interesting. They think he might be the odd man out. Not that I necessarily do. And that's something that uh, Mike Sullivan kind of mentioned is he brings that dimension. He is in Alexiak brings that dimension that no one else has at this point. So if someone gets hit, if someone gets pushed around, he'll be there and he can stand up to someone. Do you think, Brian, like now we know the game's moving to more speed, more skill, less fighting, less that stuff. But do you think that that could be an important part of Alexiak sticking around or being maybe more important than people think? Yeah, I definitely think that's a key for for his uh, ability to stick in this lineup. And, uh, you know, I'm not one to necessarily agree with that take either, Jimmy. I, I really feel like he brings something to the table. He has a little bit more uh, untapped offensive upside, in my view, too. He, he's not afraid to shoot the puck. I feel like he moves the puck pretty well. I almost wish he would play a little bit more physical from time to time. Just because he's so big, he can take up space, and he can you know, be a little bit harder to play against for opposing forwards. So Mike Sullivan really seems to like him. I know Jim Rutherford really likes him. So I don't, I don't really agree with the fact that he would be the guy coming out. I, I think this comes down to – Chad Ruedel or, or Ricola staying around in Pittsburgh as your seventh man for the time being. And they may start with Ruedel being up and send Ricola down just so he can get some pro games under his belt against actual pro competition because he hasn't necessarily had that in these preseason games for as impressive as he's looked. If you look at the lineup that the Buffalo Sabres iced in the last game against the Penguins, I mean, that was largely guys that aren't going to be in the league and or very young rookie-type players just looking to make their mark. Yes, Middlestat was in the lineup, as was uh, Nylander. And you, you don't know if, if Nylander's even going to make their team this year. So it, it was a very young lineup. But Ricola was still out there. He looked good. He's looked good against more NHL competition as well. But I, I think they might give him a few games down in Wilkes just to see how it goes before they then – uh, make a decision on maybe moving somebody. Maybe a trade happens here. That's another thing we sort of kicked around a little bit. But I, I think Jamie Alexiak is a staple in the lineup for right now. They, they they like what he brings too much. And if you look at the playoff numbers last year, he was starting to log more and more minutes. And I, I just think that's something that they're going to continue to do because they feel like that top six uh, that they have at their at, uh, available to them right now is one that they can pretty much roll all three sets of those defensemen and give them – a little bit more minutes to maybe alleviate the pressure on a guy like Chris Letang, because that's a big key here as well, helping him bounce back. And, and you do that by maybe not necessarily limiting his minutes, but you don't have to have him playing, you know, 23, 24, 25 minutes a night either. Uh, one of the more uh, interesting things we saw Jim Rutherford do this offseason was bulk up in terms of gathering more forwards. We saw the signing of Derek Grant and more specifically, 
the Penguins decided to bring back Matt Cullen. You know, he's 40 years old, but at the same time, looking at his stats through this preseason, I believe he's already logged uh, three goals in the preseason games he has played. It's safe to say that the Penguins have an embarrassment of riches here uh, in both their uh, defensive and offensive players. Brian, where do you think, what do you think that the Penguins game plan is to really crafting out the best bottom six? We know that the, the top six is set with Crosby and, and Malkin and Gensel and Kessel and all the others, but signing uh, Matt Cullen and signing Derek Grant were really not head scratchers per se, because they're, they have Derek Brassard there as well, but with, with so much offensive firepower, how do you think the Penguins are, are going to be able to consistently craft the best lineup looking over this, the, the next five, six months over an 82 game season? Well, last night uh, when you saw the the way they they iced the lines against the Sabers, I really liked the way they configured it because they went ahead with Broussard playing with Dominic Simone and Brian Rust. That was a pretty interesting line. They had some speed. They have offensive upside. They're good defensively. They were moving the puck around pretty well. Uh, a couple of those guys, you know, had some really nice scoring opportunities. So as a third line, at least to start the season, I think that was impressive. And then you look at the fourth line that they used which was Riley Shayan, because we sort of almost forget about him with all these other centers that they have now. That's the crazy thing. When you remember going into last year, they have McKaig starting the season essentially as their third-line center at one point in time, and then he was on the fourth line. So, I mean, this was a spot that was uh, not an area of strength for them. Jim Rutherford was not going to allow that to happen. So he has Shayan coming back. He has Broussard. He has the big two that you just mentioned. Then he brings in Cullen and Barrett Grant. And, and uh, to finish off the thought, though, about the fourth line last night, he had uh, Cullen on the left wing of Riley Shane, which seemed to work very well. And they had Daniel Sprong down there. And based on some quotes that just sort of popped out from Jim Rutherford uh, on Thursday, earlier today, I believe it was uh, our buddy Josh over at The Athletic that wrote about it, saying they, wanted a, they expected a little bit more from Daniel Sprong. I know I did. I'm sure you guys did as well. He's not a fourth-line player. For me, if he's not going to play in an offensive capacity, and I know they think that line is something that could be, uh, a little bit more offensive if he's there. They uh, they should send him back to Wilkes-Barre Scranton, and he hasn't, in my view, earned a job in the lineup right now based on what I've seen. So that opens up the door for Derek Grant to play the right wing on that fourth line, which gives you Shayan, Cullen, and Derek Grant. All three of those players can play center. All of them can move to the wing. All of them can take face-offs. And for my money, if you look at where they are right now from a depth a depth standpoint as opposed to where they were last year, I think that gives you a great fourth line look, having those three guys with the third line I just told you. So then you have the top six all solidified with, you know, the guys you mentioned with Sid now with Gensel and Patrick Hornquist and Geno's out there with Phil Kessel and they had Carl Hagelin up there, which was a pretty formidable look as well. I mean, they went out last night and Phil Kessel scored two big goals playing with those guys. So, you have that scenario, and then if you can mix up that top, that bottom six the way I just I just laid out and the way that Mike Sullivan deployed them last night, I, I think that's something that's going to work very well, and it gives you a ton of options. And the, the cool thing is Shane can move up the lineup if you need him to. Uh, Derek Grant showed last year with Anaheim that he could move up the lineup. We all know Matt Cullen was the chief fill-in if Sid or Gino went down with injury. Mike Cullen trusted him as a guy that he could deploy on his first or second line a lot of times to keep those lines intact. And we know Derek Broussard can elevate. So you have so many different centers now that can play in your top six, play in your bottom six, play on the wing, move either side, take the face-offs for you, and even play on the uh, power player special teams on, on the penalty kill. So there's just a ton of options. And I will say specifically about Matt Cullen, he looks revitalized. 
He looks excited to be back. I think he's kicking himself in the backside for leaving last year, even though it was a good move for his family. I think he realizes that he um, almost set his career back, and, and he's he's almost lucky in a way the Penguins called because I don't know that there were going to be a lot of other options out there for him. Penguins bring him in, and to, you know as you just said, uh, Garrett, he had a great preseason so far. He looks just like the Matt Cullen that left here two seasons ago, and that's a good thing for the Pens. Yeah, and you brought up the name, and that's kind of the million-dollar question on the internet right now is, what do you do with Daniel Sprong? Because um, you're absolutely right. Josh, you got the quote from Jim Rutherford that said, quote, we expected a little bit more from him, Rutherford said. And that's exactly what Mark Recchi said a couple weekends ago when he was in charge, basically, of the Pens, him and Jacques Martin, when Mike Sullivan was away from the team. After a game, he basically said the same thing, like we're looking for a little bit more out of Sprong and he's he's not quite showing us what we want. And I guess I think it a lot revolves around Sprong since he is such a talented player. He's 21 years old and he doesn't have waiver eligibility anymore, so they can't send him to Wilkes-Barre again. So I think that presents a lot of new problems because his preseason, which now he's day-to-day with an injury that I don't think they think is too bad on his lower body, but he he had zero goals, one assist in four preseason games, and a lot of he spent a lot of time in training camp so far with Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby. It didn't seem like it worked. And to your point, Brian, I agree. Like Daniel Sprong is not going to get where he wants to go, or anybody wants him to go, if he's getting eight to ten minutes a game on a fourth line with fourth liners. And Matt Cullen and Shan are very good fourth liners, but even then, like. There's untapped potential there. So do you think the Penguins will be patient with Sprong since they can't send him down? I agree. It's hard since you have Phil Castle, you have Patrick Hornquist, you have Brian Rust on that right wing. So I don't see how you get Sprong into the lineup necessarily unless maybe they shift Rust over to the left wing. But even then, that presents some you know lineup inequalities that you might not want. So what do you think the Penguins' timeline for patience is with Sprong? Because from what Rutherford said, we expected a little bit more from him. From what Recky's kind of echoed to in the past, it seems like the Penguins' coaches and management, the clock's kind of ticking on this guy. Do you think they'll, they will be a little more patient with him and give him maybe more of an opportunity to play this thing out? Well, I mean, I think they have to be a little bit patient because they still believe in his talent and they think that he's a guy that that has all this offensive upside. And, I mean, we all believe that, obviously, based on what he's been able to accomplish in the American Hockey League. I mean, we saw what he's done since he's been drafted, and uh, he tore up junior hockey, of course, and and he had himself a pretty nice season for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. So um, it's, from my point of view, when I look at this scenario, as soon as I saw the names being brought in that we just talked about, Matt Cullen, Derek Grant gave you six centers on this lineup. And so you looked at that and said, okay, two of those guys are going to have to shift to the wing. They clearly have a love affair with Dominic Simone. He has earned the trust of the coaching staff. Mike Sullivan specifically really likes him. Uh, And anybody I've talked to around the Penguins, and then you may have heard these quotes before as well, is that he may not have the offensive upside of a Daniel Sprong, but he can play, or he does everything else well. That's the way they always describe it is he, he does everything well. He, he can go out and play physically along the boards. He can dig for pucks. He can do this. He can do that. They just really, they really like him as a player. So when you consider all of that, I looked at it right away and said, I don't know how they're going to have a job for Daniel Sprong or Zach Aston Reese in this lineup because there's just really not a spot unless one of those two goes out and really wows the coaching staff. And sadly, 
I don't know that either of them really did that. I, I thought I had some impressive moments from Aston Reese. Sprong hasn't really had a lot of impressive moments. He had one rush against the Sabres last night where he came down the wing and he made a move to the middle with speed and he put a great shot on goal. And then as the puck quickly went the other way. And rather than go back and really get on the defense, he sort of held up and tried to go back on the attack. And when Latang tried to hit him with a, a touchdown pass over the top, Scandella knocks it down and it turns into a goal for the Sabres seconds later. So is this a guy that still maybe thinks a little bit too much on the offensive side? That kind of thing gets this coaching staff in the wrong frame of mind about a guy. They start to think he's too much of a chance taker. And I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that he's going to have to clear waivers to go down is something that scares you because you don't want to lose a talented player like that. So do they let him wallow as your extra forward in the press box? Probably at this point, because I don't know. They might let him start the season, but they're they're clearly going to plug him in on the fourth line and give him some some shifts with Sidney Crosby along the way. But to your point as well, Jimmy, that you made was he played with Sid just about all of training camp and has not done anything with that opportunity. So it's disappointing to say the least that he hasn't really been able to explode the way we anticipated during the preseason. And right now, I, I just, I mean, he's the odd man out in the lineup right now when I look at it. So I, I think they're going to have a tough decision to make. Do you let him sit and sort of wallow up top and watch and maybe risk giving him a boo-boo lip? Because he seems like a guy that's going to pout a little bit if you sit him down too. So that, that's what makes yeah. it kind of tough. So uh, we've branched out. We've talked about the defense. We've talked about the offense and all things good or bad that uh, they can offer the Penguins to create the, the best possible lineup. But I want to branch out a little bit more and look at a wider scope of, of the rest of the league. It, it's, no, it's no secret that the Metropolitan Division has changed a lot since, uh, since well, really the end, of the, the end of last season heading into the NHL draft. Uh, Barry Trotz has obviously left the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. John Tavares has obviously left Long Island. He's switched divisions. He's gone to his hometown, Toronto Maple Leafs. Brian, I'm interested in getting your take on who you think will take the Metro this year. Is, is this division, once again, the Penguins to lose with the departure of Trotz leaving Washington to go to Long Island? Or is, is Washington looking to recapture that magic and take the Metro again, leaving the Penguins to fiddle around, maybe take the second or third place in the division and fight from there? Uh, I think that's a very interesting question to consider because Washington pretty much brought back their their entire Stanley Cup winning team. And uh, trots or no trots, I think we all know Todd Reardon is a pretty, uh, you know, formidable coach in, of his own right. I mean, he does a really nice job. He was a big part of that championship team as well. So I, I think that they can still be a very good team. I think that uh, they created a bit more of a team player out of Alex Ovechkin. He, yes, he goes out and still worries about getting all those goals, but he, he just he looked like a different guy last year. He was more focused on his conditioning, seemed to use his teammates a little bit more. So when you consider that and you see a bounce back of a Braden Holtby, I think that's still a team that can really make a run at this division title again. I'd like to think that the Penguins are going to get into that conversation this year. But, but to, you know, that said, I just feel like the Washington Capitals always find a way in the regular season to win an awful lot of hockey games. They're the kind of team that will feast on some of the other teams in the East, some of the bottom dwellers in general. They win all the games that, that, that they're supposed to win, and that will help solidify them potentially to run and, and make a uh, grab themselves another division title. But the teams in the division to really keep an eye on, I don't know that the Islanders are going to really be able to bounce back. They have all those third-line players. I think people thought they would take a step forward, but now that they lost Tavares, I think that 
They might wallow in the middle a little bit. Their goaltending is still a little bit topsy-turvy. How's Robin Lehner going to be? We're not quite sure. So uh, that's going to be a team that's probably going to be there in the middle. Carolina is going to be at the bottom probably. And then that comes down really to the fact that the two New York teams are going to make a little bit of headway. I mean, or not both of the two New York teams. I meant the Devils and the Rangers. I think that those two teams are probably going to take many steps forward from where they were last year, which means the Devils will probably be a team that can get themselves into the playoff hunt again. Uh, the, the Rangers could potentially be there. Anytime you have Henrik Lundqvist, that's a possibility. But I, I really think the Devils are probably the closest to making a run of the division title here, as maybe could be the Flyers, just based on their blue line. If they can get some solid goaltending this year, I really like having Goss to spare back there with Provorov. Those are two guys I, I was impressed with last year. I think that gives them a pretty formidable top pair that they can, they can really count on and, and score a lot of power play goals with those guys. They are probably going to take steps forward defensively, and uh, they still have some firepower up front. So it probably comes down to, if I had to really chart it out, I think it'll be Caps, Pens, Flyers, and Devils probably fighting for that third spot in the division with the Rangers and then the other two finishing up the rear there. All right. Once again, we are joined by Brian Metzer. You can follow him on Twitter, Brian underscore Metzer. You can see he has a really great um, Pittsburgh Penguins season preview in the Pittsburgh Current which he tells me you can find around town and it's online, but there's stuff in the print issue that isn't online. And it's definitely worth your time and checking out. So for our, all our listeners in Pittsburgh, check out the September 25th edition of the Pittsburgh current. And I think that's about it. Brian, we have one more question for you from me with your gig at the Penguins radio network. You get to interact with a living legend sometimes in Mike Lang. So do you have any good Mike Lang stories for us that you could share? Hmm, let me think here. It's just such Our a pleasure to work radio. with Mike. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's such a pleasure to work with him. I mean, we all grew up listening to Mike Lang. He's been around the team essentially since its inception. Um, and I know it, that's probably – I get two guys like that I get to work with because the two Niners there as well, you know what I mean? And, and I work with Phil a lot more doing the tweet segments and all that kind of thing, and that's, that's a blast. I have so much fun. But Mikey is just – he's so unique. He's so kind. He, he gives you advice sometimes when you don't even you're – not, you're not even expecting it. He'll come out of nowhere with some, some words of wisdom and, and say something that catches you off guard maybe, but it's actually something that's very helpful for you. He has all these little one-liners that are just so funny. Um, I'll tell you one thing that horrified me last year. This isn't necessarily a funny story. I thought that I, I broke my clang. It was so scary for me. Um, oh, no. I go running, I go running up at, during my intermission, you know, when I do my intermission report. Right. And I think, I think it was somebody, uh, it was Jeff Hathorne from the fan. He was covering a game that night and I hadn't seen Jeff in a while. And he saw me in the hall and he's saying, Oh, Matt's how you doing? All this kind of thing. And then I, I didn't see Mike leave the booth, but I just assumed he was gone already because he always takes his little, uh, his little jaunt away during the, during, the, um, during the intermission there. And it turned out that our engineer in the booth, Cindy, stopped Mike to talk to him for a minute. I thought I was late to get on air, and I go blowing through the steel door, <laughs> and I, I smacked Mike with this door. And oh. he just grimaced. I was horrified. I thought that I, I, I like, killed Mike Lang. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> and I'm like, that would be how I get, you know, this infamous reputation and, and the notoriety that you don't want to be like, 
broadcaster kills Mike Lang, lose his job, something like that. Because it was just, <laughs> you never want it that. Was just, yeah, it was just horrifying. But, uh, yeah, Mike was okay, and, and I lived to fight another day. But uh, just generally, it, it's such a pleasure to work with him, and I, I really enjoy the time, and, and you can learn so much. He's so knowledgeable. And one other quickie, uh, the other night I was supposed to have a guest lined up for the intermission report for the second segment like we always do, and they didn't make it. And it so happened Josh was calling the game, Josh Getzoff, but Mikey came walking into the booth just out of nowhere to like look for those guys to say hi or something. And he saw that my guest didn't show up. And I jokingly said, Mike, I might need you to, you know, come out of the bullpen here. Well, he just threw the headset on and he joined me for the segment. It was the first time that he and I were ever on air together as, uh, you know, with me hosting essentially and him as a guest. And he gave me, you know, like three solid minutes of good information. We talked about Yuso Ricola and some other things. And that was a lot of fun getting a chance to, to interview Mike on air for the change because I've never had the chance to do that. So that was just a fun moment that just happened over the weekend. Yeah, that, that's actually why I asked that question because I was listening to that at the time. And I thought you guys, <laughs> for the first time, you guys had really good chemistry and hit it off. But I guess with an old pro like that, not that I'm taking anything away from you, but I guess with an old pro like that, like he pretty much just steers the ship and makes great content, which it was. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, just to get him. And I mean, the cool thing is we all know each other. We all work together for a while. And uh, so you get us talking about stuff. We just have a blast. And, um, you know, I feel that way when I get a chance to catch up with Josh Getzoff, the old two niner saggy, it doesn't really matter. Um, we, we have a number of different voices involved with our broadcasts now, and it just gives a little different perspective and a little different flavor. And that was just a blast for me to get uh, the hall of famer on. And, and like you said, it's easy when it's Mike because he just answers some, you know, he answers your questions. He, he, he has the knowledge base. And, and according to him, he thinks Ricola was good enough to make the team. If you heard that segment, Jimmy, I mean, that, that was pretty exciting to hear that from him. Oh man, what a great, just a great, Jimmy, that's a great question. And that's such an awesome response, Brian. That is just so great. Just to hear, not the fact that you nearly broke uh, one of, you know, <laughs> one of, one of hockey's living legend broadcasters, but you know, just some of the awesome stories you have to share. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the the countless games that Mike has called. I'm sure he has stories for days, if not years. He definitely does. I mean, anytime you can get him talking, he always he tells some fun tales. When we get together for the uh, the Penguins Radio Summit for our network affiliates, he gets up and he gets all those people laughing. And sometimes he's not even trying to be funny. They just love the way he talks and the way he sort of makes light of things and. He's so uh, self-deprecating. He rips on himself. He rips on Borky and gives Borky a hard time. It's just so fun because those two guys have developed a really great chemistry with one another. And you can see that they've become really, really good friends too because he worked with Borky as a player and now he gets to work with him as a broadcaster and to see him grow over the years into being the sidekick of, of Mike Lang. And those two just hit it off so well. It's a lot of fun when you just get them up on stage, even with microphones, telling jokes and telling their stories he sort of makes light of things that Borky does and uh, it, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a blast to work with that group and uh, I'm lucky enough to be part of it and to be born and raised in Pittsburgh, grow up listening to those guys, watching Borky win cups as Mike called them and now work with them on the broadcast and essentially work on cup broadcasts with them has been uh, really fulfilling and something that, that uh, I've been really, really blessed to be able to do. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come join us on the first episode of the Pensburg podcast. And I'm sure we'll, we will definitely be talking to you very soon. Hey, thanks for having me, boys. I really appreciate it. And uh, anytime, you, you know, you guys know where to find me. I'm glad to hop on with you. I had a really good time. And I look forward to hearing this and the podcast moving forward. So thanks again. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks, Brian.
That was Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, really, Brian provided some great answers. I loved, I loved Jimmy's last question about uh, Mike Lang and how Brian almost broke Mike Lang. How horrendous that would have been! That would have been his career headline right there. Broadcaster gets fired for injuring Mike Lang. That was just tremendous. Brian, yeah, absolutely a great guy. Follow him on Twitter. Listen to him on the radio. Find him in the Pittsburgh Current magazine. Yes, I believe that's correct. So you can find Brian's written work there. Listen to him whenever you get a chance on the radio during the intermission or pre game show uh, for Penguins games. And that will just about do it for the first episode of the Pennsburg podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to Brian, uh, Jimmy, and myself give you a little bit of a season, uh, not season preview, just a little bit of a, uh, a preseason preview heading into heading into the regular season. We're about a little less than a week away from opening night against the Washington Capitals. So we are excited to get this out to you. We're excited to get this ball rolling. And hopefully as the season gets underway, we'll have a lot more to talk about. We'll have a lot, uh, many more guests to bring on. And, and we are just excited to get this podcast ready to go. And we hope that you guys enjoy it. Yep. Thanks for joining us, everyone. The off season's finally over and the regular season starts. We've got two home games, Washington on Thursday, Montreal on Saturday night. So it should be fun to finally watch some hockey again so thanks again for joining us and let's get pens for jimmy rickster hooks or pick for myself garrett behanna the kessel run you have been listening to the pensburg podcast thank you so much for listening to our first our inaugural episode and we will see you next monday for episode two see you next week